Join me in prayer. God, as we open your word, may you open our hearts. Give me the words to speak and give your people the ears to hear. Feed us with fresh bread and new wine. And fill us with the fresh dose of your Holy Ghost. So that sin would be crucified. So that your people would be edified. So that demons would be horrified. And God would be glorified. Come, Lord Jesus. Your bride, your church says come. Amen. I wanted to just first and foremost thank God for being here. Um, I am honored and humbled. And, and secondly, I thank the elders, the leaders, and uh, Pastor Brian in this church for allowing me to be here stewarding um, my time here at Pennington. I came here about a year and a half ago and prayerfully, and I believe God has kept me here. And I'm just so thankful to be here and likewise humbled. Uh, I used to be an atheist when I was about 20 years old in college, and I was far from God, very far, and I'm not even worthy to touch this Bible. But God, but the blood of Jesus frees me, frees us. And, and so I'm up here with conviction, and, and, and I'm going to preface what I'm going to say today with this. I want you to be here with expectation, not just when I'm speaking, when anybody's up on the pulpit, on the worship, you come with expectation and hunger. Psalm 107 says, he, that is God, he will satisfy the longing soul and he will feed the hungry soul with good things. Are you hungry? Are you coming hungry? Are you coming with a, a cup ready to be filled? God is willing to fill. Because that's what we're going to talk about today when we talk about the Holy Spirit. The, the outline is going to be, we're going to move from deity to desire to the doing of the Holy Spirit. His deity, his desire, and his doing. And in that, I'm just, I, I can't help but think about that woman who had the hemorrhage of blood bleeding for 12, 12 years. And it says that she pressed through the crowd to get to Jesus. And she said to herself, if I but just touch the hem of his garment, and she touched it, and she was healed immediately. And if you remember what Jesus says, he says, who touched me? Who touched me? And his disciples, you know, if you put yourself in the text, you, you see, they, they, they thought he was, what are, you, what are you talking about? They thought he was, you don't know what you're talking about. Jesus Everyone's pressing around you. And I am convinced that, myself included, we are a people in this world who are constantly bumping up against God, but not touching him. Did you, did you guys get that? <laughs> We're bumping up against God, but not touching the power. That woman came by faith and conviction that I know if I just seek the Lord, if I just touch the hem of his garment, I know that I will take and receive what I need for life. And I'm asking that we come again and again to God's presence in our quiet times, in our times together with that expectation and that hunger.
Charles Spurgeon says this, I, I may know all the doctrines of the Bible, but unless I know Christ, there is not one of them that can save me. There is not one of them that can save me. So we can talk about all the doctrines. I can talk about the, the, the systematic theology of pneumatology, which is the study of the Holy Spirit, but it, unless that Spirit imparts to you and you receive, it means nothing, absolutely nothing. And so I am asking, I'm, I'm, I'm pleading by the Spirit of God, be willing to receive. God's grace is extending mercy unto us time and again. So let us look at the, the, the established doctrine, right, of the Trinity. As we continue in our, our, our series here, we talked two weeks ago about the Father, last week about the Son, and now we're talking about the Holy Spirit. And I want to say this, the Holy Spirit is a person in God of the same substance with the Father and the Son, yet distinct from them. So let's clarify that. The Holy Spirit, well, let's talk about what the Holy Spirit is not. He's not created. He's God. Acts chapter 5 talks about Ananias and Sapphira. They, they, they lied when they gave to the church, that church that Gavin was talking about, where they, they gave, everybody was giving all their offerings, all of their, their, their bank account, their, their houses, their, whatever it was, they were giving to share in community. And Ananias and Sapphira lied about that. And Peter says, this to them. He says, Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit. And he goes on to say, you have, you have contrived this deed in your heart. You have not lied to man, but to God. Again, the Holy Spirit is not created, but he is God. The Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is not an it. I, I, I know we sometimes get caught up in that language of, of the it, Language, but it is clear, uh, particularly in the Gospel of John, chapter 14 through 17, that the Holy Spirit is called by Jesus Himself a He. He says that He will come to you and He will comfort you. He will give you the counsel that you need. He will glorify me. And, and if you look at the Greek language, he, the, you, the author had to literally violate the Greek language. The Greek language, there is a feminine gender, there is a masculine, and there's a neuter, right? And the Holy Spirit in, in, in is the pneuma in Greek, and that is the neuter form. And yet, you have to use the, he had to choose to violate the language to use a he. You see, what you see, he's clarifying, it's not an it. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of the living God for his people. Next point, the Holy Spirit is not an impersonal force or power. We know this through several accounts, like in Acts chapter 8, verse 29, where it talks about the Spirit. It spoke to Philip specifically and said, I want you to go out. I want you to go out and to, to meet those chariots. And, and he ended up uh, baptizing and evangelizing to the eunuch um, from Ethiopia. right? And then the Holy Spirit is not a mode of God, otherwise known as modalism, the uh, uh, another term for that is Sibelianism, which was a second century heresy, but it's still around today where people think that basically there is this mixing so much so that there is no distinction for who God is. So, so in, in other words, when Jesus died on the cross, the Father died also, the Holy Spirit died also, but there's a lot of logical contradictions in that, and the scripture clearly points out that yes, they are one essence in the same substance, but they are also distinct from each other. 
And so we know this from Matthew chapter 3 where it says that in, in, it, it literally shows in the scripture when Jesus was baptized that the Holy Spirit descended from the Father and came into him, right? Next point, the Holy Spirit is not easily offended or deterred. I think that's, that's powerful for, for all of us. It's convicting in my own life in times when I have, I have grieved the Holy Spirit. I've been insensitive to his voice, and yet he is consistent in his choice for me. He is consistent in his persistence for me. He desires me. Do you see that he desires you? And yet, I have to preface that point with, in like manner, the Holy Spirit's not insensitive. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, it talks about the Holy Spirit can be grieved. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit whom you've received from God. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. If, do you remember when Jesus was baptized, what it said the Holy Spirit came down in the form of? In bodily form, like a what? Like a dove. Why a dove? Why not, why not a lion? A lion's more powerful. You know, why not an elephant? I don't know. I think about the power of a dove. When, when, when you go and you, if you ever fed birds in a park, you but clap your hands. What do those doves and pigeons do? So there is an essence in which we need to be a people who are sensitive to God's spirit and not, not, not seeking to just live our own lifestyles without regard to what God has called us to. His lifestyle, his image, his glory. And so I think about also with the reference of the dove, Noah, on the ark. If you remember after the flood came on the earth and Noah and his family were saved, it says that Noah opened the window and he let out the dove. And the dove came back because she found no resting place for her foot. And then he sent her out again and eventually she found a place for her foot and she comes back with what? The olive branch. Are you a resting place for God? Are you setting yourself up as a resting place? Are you, we, we talk about this in, this in this church a few weeks ago and, and, and throughout the weeks really about creating a sacred space. It's not simply about a building it's not simply about, you know, what we see on the outside. It's about how are you doing on the inside? Where is your heart? Where is your heart with God? That's why the scripture in Proverbs chapter 4 says, Guard your heart with all diligence, all diligence, for from it flows the springs of life, from your heart. And where does the Holy Spirit reside? Romans 5 says, The Holy Spirit has been poured into our hearts. So how do we create that sacred space? How do, we, how do we do that? Well, a scripture that is near and dear to my heart is Proverbs chapter 1, verse 23. It reads like this. The Spirit of the Lord is speaking. says, If you turn at my reproof, I will pour out my Spirit upon you. I will pour out my Spirit upon you if you turn at my reproof and I will make my words known to you. You can, okay, you cannot know the word of God without the spirit of God revealing the word. You have to have the spirit for interpretation. 
You have to have the Holy Spirit. You might as well be picking up your Bible, reading it in Chinese. And you, for those who don't understand Chinese, I don't understand. And, and it means nothing. Or some other language that you totally don't comprehend. And, and, and even though you might, in your mind, understand, you think you understand, you don't actually know what God is saying. Jeremiah the prophet is actually, when he, when he talks in the Old Testament, he's, he's rebuking the priests and the religious rulers and leaders at a time. And he says, it's, it's the spirit of God speaking through him. And he says, you, you, these people, they know my law. Their hearts are far from me. They don't know me. They don't actually know me. They know my words, but they don't know me. That's crazy. I think that's crazy that we can... We can be doing this religious game our whole lives and not know God. So are you, are you hungry for God himself? And are you turning at the correction that he's given you, at the reproof? There was a time when, again, I was an atheist, but I heard God's word here and there, and I had heard that Jesus said, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me, and I will give him water that he will never thirst from again. And he said this speaking of the Holy Spirit, John chapter 7 talks about. And then he says in John chapter 4 to that woman, that Samaritan woman who was ostracized from her community and yet he finds himself in a place and a position with her. Jesus found himself in a place and position with me, an atheist, and that word was spoken to me where he says, do you know the gift of God? If you drank from the water that I would give, you wouldn't thirst again. Brandon, I see you out here doing what you're doing, the drugs, the alcohol, the womanizing, all types of abuse, and it's not filling you, is it? You've had some pleasure, haven't you? It's been fun, right? But you've got to do like Moses did. It says he left, he fled the fleeting pleasures of Egypt. He fled them because he pursued Christ. He saw that there was greater reward in Christ. And so it was in that time period in my life where I just sought God and, and, and in such a way where I said, Jesus, if you're the one, I've got to know. This was, I was 20 years old and I'm an atheist praying to God. Makes no sense at all, <laughs> but I'm praying because I had a slim hope that maybe I'm wrong. I have faith too as an atheist. I don't believe there's a God, but I want to so bad. I understand that my life has no meaning if God is not true. And I, for the first time, called out to Jesus. I never called out to Jesus before. And I called out and I said, Jesus, if you're the one they say you are, I've got to know. Because you know my heart. I can't lie to you. If you're God, I'm going to take my life. I'm going to kill myself. That was my intention. While I had, uh, you know, I put on a show for people because I was uh, in positions in my school and, 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 you know, building up a resume, if you will, and, and so you, you have to put on a show of hypocrisy. We've been there. And that's why I know what the scripture means when it says, Paul says, let love be without hypocrisy, without acting. And I was not acting in this time. I said, God, I'm done with these games. I can't do this anymore. And it was a couple weeks after that moment of intent, convicted petition to God, desperate cry to God that I thought, honestly, I didn't think God was listening. But I had a hope. And I thought, because I was an atheist, my, my thinking system was, you're just, you're, you're a crazy person talking to yourself right now. Nobody's listening to you. That's what I thought. But a couple weeks after that, 
I had a dream in which the Spirit of God poured out on me. Job, the book of Job talks about this. It says, it is the spirit in man, the breath of the Almighty that makes him understand. I tell you, I I tell you, God's spirit poured into me and I knew without a shadow of a doubt there was no questioning anymore that Jesus Christ is coming back. I knew. And the more I knew this, the more the spirit filled me. I was so filled with joy. Come on, do you know that it is a joyful thing that Jesus Christ is coming back? Do you know that we're not, we're not getting it together? The the human power on our own effort is not doing it. The Lord says, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, by my spirit. We have to be a people who are hungry and desperate for God's spirit. We have to be a people who, like Jesus said in the first lesson of the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter five, he says, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Are you poor in spirit or do you think that you've got it? You think you have it figured out? It's pride. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Where you realize I have no strength on my own. I can't even do it. I can't lift this bread up to take it to my mouth without Jesus Christ helping me. The Bible says in him we live and move and have our being. Even when I was an atheist, God was allowing me to do what I was doing. God was opening doors that should have been open for me. Opportunities that I should, you know how many times I should have died? (laughs) But God, but God. So God's desire is to pour out his spirit, but we have to be willing God's desire is to pour out his spirit. The the scripture says it like this in Isaiah chapter 55. Come, everyone who thirsts, come. Come to the waters, and he who has no money, come, buy and eat. Buy wine and milk without money and without price. And then we see the same sentiment picked up in Revelations, the very last few chapters, or few verses of, of the last chapter of the Bible. And it says, the spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty, come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. Yes. Take, if anyone thirsts. So are you thirsty? I'm not just simple. I'm talking to anybody. I don't care if you've, if you've been even filled with the Holy Spirit. There is more. There is more. There is more. Are you full? Are you full? If you're full, then you, have, you can't receive. You can't receive. I'm convicted that I am filled with the Holy Spirit, but I'm not full. I'm filled, but I'm not full. And, and, you know, I think about the first church in the book of Acts. It talks about, in Acts chapter, what is it, chapter (laughs) 9. It says in the early days that the church was walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. The fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit, and it was through this that they were growing, that they were being built up. I'm convinced today that we live amongst a people where we walk in the fear of man and the comfort of the world. Oh, Jesus, did somebody hear me? We're walking in the fear of man and the comfort of the world. 
But I'm pressing in to walk and to take a journey with God in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, but fools despise wisdom. The fear of the Lord is to turn away from evil, pride, arrogance, and the way of evil I hate, says the Lord. That's the fear of the Lord. And the comfort of the Holy Spirit. He is known primarily as the comforter, the counselor. In Greek, the paraclete. It's literally paraclete, one who is alongside a legal advocate. The devil, Satan, Hasatan, in the Hebrew, it literally means the accuser, the one who points the finger. And yet Jesus says, you need the Holy Spirit, the advocate, the counselor, the comforter, the legal advocate who will stand by your side without money. I tell you, I can't afford a lawyer. (laughs) I can't afford a lawyer, but I'm convinced that we all need to go and, and, and like it said, come and buy, the one who has money, buy and eat. Come and buy and go get yourself a counselor, the counselor. We all need a counselor and his name is the Holy Spirit. True growth in the church does not come without true growth in the spirit. So I want to move from now we've talked about deity and we talked about desire and now I want to move into the doing and the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, let's look at it. The Spirit created creation. In Genesis chapter 1 we read, the earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. The Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And then in Job chapter 33, verse 4, it says, The Spirit of God has made me, and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. God has made me, and he gives me life, and that Spirit of God is hovering over the waters. It's interesting, because Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. He says, When God said, let there be light in the beginning, he parallels that, and he says, God said, let there be light in our hearts. When you received a revelation and you understood Jesus Christ is Lord, he died, he was buried, and on the third day he rose for me, that is the Spirit of God giving you that revelation. That is the Spirit of God giving you that revelation, and that's when God's speaking into your heart saying, let there be light. Let there be light. And, and, and a quick detour, right? That's, I want to look at that Genesis chapter 1 real quick. It says the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. What does that mean? The term only appears one other time in relation to God in the, in the Old Testament, and it's in Deuteronomy chapter 32. It says, it, or it describes God as a mother eagle who flutters, it's the same word for hovering, who flutters over her young. She's fluttering over her young, stirring them up, Stirring them up, encouraging them to fly. Do you know that God is encouraging you to fly before you even knew him? Oh my Lord. God is encouraging you before you even knew him. And now that you know him, he's still encouraging. The spirit is still moving. The spirit of God is still moving. So let's move on. The Holy Spirit in the Old Testament we see is, 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 there's a principle at work, which is God is an inhabiting God. He's a filling God. God, let me say it again, God is an inhabiting God and a filling God. We read in Genesis chapter 3, as the story goes on, that they, that is Adam and Eve, heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool, the the Hebrew is the ruach, the same word for spirit, in the cool of the day. 
And the man and his wife hid themselves because they had just sinned, right? They hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. While we're sinning, God is seeking. While we're sinning, God is seeking us. Religion is man's, man's man-made intentions to seek a man-made God oftentimes. But the gospel is God-seeking man. Again, the principle is God is an inhabiting and filling God. He filled creation. He filled the garden with Adam and Eve. And yet through sin and rebellion, in Isaiah the prophet, it says that your sin has created a distance between us. And so yet God's intention is still clear. He wants to fill. He wants to fill. He wants to fill. Today, he wants to fill. Today, he wants to fill. We move on and we see that in Exodus that the Spirit of God filled the temple. It says that the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle and Moses was not able to even enter because the cloud settled on it. The cloud settled on the tabernacle and Moses couldn't even enter. And so, again, we, we, we're, we have this movement from the Spirit-filled creation to now the Spirit is filling the temple. And then we see that in the New Testament revelation, after Christ's resurrection, the Spirit's desire to fill believers, children of God. And so the scripture talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. This was, he was talking to this to a church who was, uh, they were sleeping around with, with a lot of different people in town, okay? <laughs> and he says, what are you doing? Your body is the Lord's. Honor God with your body. You're dishonoring your very temple. Are you creating a sacred space for God? And with that, that principle, right, that God is an inhabiting God, a filling God, we have that God is a jealous God. Why does the scripture talk about God as a jealous God? Because he wants to fill you, all of you, every part of you, every part of your heart. He doesn't want half of your heart. He doesn't want pieces. He wants everything. He wants everything. And that's what the process of sanctification is. Sanctification is the work of the Spirit to set us apart for God. And we're not fully there yet. We're not fully there yet, but we're called to grow and to be built up in that. And so then as we move forward in the scriptures, we see that the Spirit filled creation, the Spirit filled the temple, and then the Spirit filled believers. And then we go back. Revelation talks about the Spirit is going to fill creation again. You see, God, God's not done. God's not done. He still wants to fill. And, and, and it says in Revelations that there is no temple in the city in the city of heavenly Jerusalem coming down from the Father where a new heaven and a new earth are created and, and the restoration comes in place. And it says that there was no temple in the city for it, its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. God's entire presence is going to fill creation. When I was filled with that spirit in that dream in the night that I had, <laughs> man, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what the heart of man has never imagined, the scripture says, is what God has prepared for those who love him. And, and my whole being was filled. I believe in heaven our whole beings are going to be filled with the presence of God. 
the presence of God, and maybe in moments we felt and experienced from time to time in manifestations of the Spirit in our lives, whether in a worship time, whether in a prayer time, whether in our own personal time, there has been revelations of God, and there's still more. Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 14 says, For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. So the key difference we see in the Old Testament to the New Testament is this about the Holy Spirit. Dr. John Oswald says it like this. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit is given to key selected leaders. In the New Testament, he's given to all of us believers. I'll tell you a short testimony, which is one time I was, so after this dream, I wake up and I'm like, Lord, I'm all in. I'm all in. And a few years later, I found myself wanting to do the work of God and go out and street witness. And I'm like, Lord, I'm and I was praying that God would give me a double portion of a certain spirit of an evangelist who I, who I was familiar with. And I said, Lord, just give me a double portion of what, what that guy's dealing with. I need that. And I've heard that in evangelical circles, right? That we seek a double portion, and this is good. But the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me clear as day and said, but I've given you my spirit. But I've given you my spirit. Sometimes we look at the Old Testament and we look at these saints and these prophets and we think, oh my goodness, wow, well, of course they did that. You know, that was them and they were filled with the spirit and stuff like that. You have the spirit of God. The temple veil has been torn through the sacrifice of the cross of Jesus Christ. If you remember that temple veil, right? It was keeping the presence of God from, from, from seeing and destroying people outside of that temple. And yet, the blood of Jesus gives us access. Access. And so, I'll say quickly that there is a prophet, uh, prophetic foreshadowing in prayer in the Old Testament that Moses uh, um, leads us in. He talks about that. He's telling God, God, dealing with these people is too much. I can't do it. And God says, I'm going to take some of the spirit that is upon you and I'm going to put it in the elders. And so the elders come and the spirit comes and it talks about that they did not continue doing it. That's a word for us where the, the Galatians says, let us keep in step with the Holy Spirit. Oftentimes we're filled with the spirit, but we're not keeping in step with the spirit. I'm convinced that we're, we're in an age where the difficulty of our age is this. We are not receiving the Holy Spirit or if we've received the Holy Spirit, we're not walking in the Holy Spirit. The elders didn't continue to prophesy and, and speak the word of God and live the word of God in their lives. It was just for a time and a moment. The flashing, the flash in the pan, if you will. And yet Moses goes on and he prays uh, when, when um, Joshua comes up to him and says, uh, uh, Moses, some of the elders who didn't come to the meeting, uh, they got filled too and they're prophesying in the camp. And Moses is like, are you jealous for me? Would that all of God's people be filled with his spirit. That was a prayer that took some 1,500 years to fulfill. You think about that? What about your prayers? Do you ever think your prayer might take some time? Are you willing to have faith in that? We just give up. And so it's fulfilled in Joel when, when we're really in the book of Acts as Peter quotes from the prophet Joel and he says, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons will, will, and your daughters will have prophetic voice. 
Your young men and your old men will have dreams and visions. God is desiring to pour out his spirit. It says, in those days, it's specific in in Acts chapter 2, it says, in those days, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. In what days? Just the book of Acts chapter 2? Just in, in time of Pentecost? Or are we still in those days? It says in the last days. We're still in the last days. God's still desiring to pour out his spirit. God is still desiring to pour out his spirit. Was it not John who said, John the, uh, John the Baptist, who said in Matthew chapter 3 that there, there's one coming who's mightier than I. I'm not even worthy to untie his sandals. I'm not worthy to untie his sandals. Just like I'm, I'm not worthy to even touch this Bible but by the blood of Jesus. Oh my God. <laughs> he says, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And then Jesus goes on in John, to say that you must be born again. You must be born again of the Spirit and of the water. You must be born again. And so, as we move on, we see that Jesus himself, let's look at Jesus himself and how the Holy Spirit interacts with him. Jesus is born of the Spirit in Matthew chapter 1. The Holy Spirit comes upon Mary and she's filled with the Spirit of God and she has a virgin birth. So Jesus is born of the Spirit. He's baptized in the Holy Spirit. He baptizes with the Holy Spirit. He's led and driven by the Holy Spirit. He's empowered by the Holy Spirit to do the work of God. He's filled, this is one that gets me, he's filled without measure by the Holy Spirit. John chapter 3 talks about he's filled without measure. He's filled without measure. God is willing to give us more measure. More measure. Because Jesus, look, I don't know about you, but my Jesus said, greater works than these. Greater works than these will accompany those who believe. And so that's why I'm convinced. I'm like, Lord, do I really believe? Do I really believe? Because you said greater works. You said, you said rivers of living water would flow out of you for those who drink. Lord, I've had puddles of water come out of me. I want some rivers. I want some rivers. I believe today God is willing to pour out rivers. Today God is willing to pour out his spirit. And mm-mm-mm. we've got to get this in the evangelical circles. We've got to get this, right? When Jesus is baptized, I want to specifically look at when he's, when he's baptized. It says that the spirit descended upon him like a dove. How is this possible if he already had the Holy Spirit, if he was already born of the Holy Spirit? You ever think about that? Scripture testifies to multiple separate manifestations of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus is first born of the Spirit, then he's baptized in the Spirit. The disciples had multiple encounters with the Holy Spirit. They received the gift for healing before they were even filled with the Spirit. And then Jesus breathes upon them. After he rose from the dead, it says he came into the room with them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. And he breathes upon them. And then, yet they hadn't received the full measure. Because it goes on to say that they had to be filled. He said, wait, tarry, as we talked about, tarry in the city until you receive the Holy Spirit. Well, I want to move across this point and I think, I think it, all right, yeah, we're going to do a case study. We're going to do a case study, and, and 
I want to look at that specific aspect when it says that the spirit descended from, from above like a dove, and then a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. And then in chapter, Mark chapter 1, verse 12, it says this, the spirit, the spirit immediately drove him out. In the Greek, the word for drove him out is the same word used just a few verses later when it says, and Jesus was casting out demons. The Spirit literally cast Jesus out, literally threw him out. We, we talk about, Holy Spirit, fill me out. I want to be led by you. Do, do, do you really want to be led by God? Do, are you really willing to submit to that leading? I want to make a clear distinction Demons possess and control and manipulate. The Spirit of God compels, urges, but it's relational. It's relational. There has to be a willing submission, a willing submission. And so, as we transition here into, into, the, into the close, I want to talk about the Father's desire to embrace you. The Father's desire to embrace you. In Luke chapter 15, we read this. And it's, it's this famous story, right, about the prodigal son. Most of us know it. Many of us know it. This prodigal went out on his own, spent everything, came to nothing. I've been there. Empty, but ready to be filled. And it says that when he came to himself, he said, I will arise and go to my father. And he arose and came to his father, but while he was still a long way off, my God, still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. That's in the ESV, it says embraced him. In the NIV, it says threw his arms around him. In the New King James Version, it says fell on his neck. That's probably the most literal wooden translation of the term there when it talks about that the father embraced him. The father literally fell upon his neck. In the Septuagint, the same, uh, the Septuagint is the Greek version of the Old Testament that the New Testament authors used as they would quote from the, uh, from the Old Testament, their Bible at the time, Right? And so in the Septuagint, we have the same word being used when Joseph sees his father after decades. Father, decades, and his father comes to him from Israel to Egypt, where, where Joseph was, and it says, Joseph fell on his neck and hugged his father and embraced his father, and they both cried and poured out tears. The father desires to embrace you the Father desires to embrace you. Do you desire that embrace? Why I bring this up is because in the New Testament, that falling upon, that, that, that embracing is used in a few other places very specifically. It talks about in Mark chapter 3, Jesus had healed many so that all who had diseases pressed around him, the same word, they embraced him, they were falling on him to touch him. 
Do you desire that? Do you desire to fall into him, right? And then, I think most importantly, it talks about the Holy Spirit fell upon believers. And this was both before baptism, water baptism, and after water baptism. Again, the scriptures testify that there are multiple separate encounters with the Spirit of God that ought to be pursued ought to be pursued. Not so you can just have an experiential thing happening and you feel good. No. A true encounter with the Holy Spirit is not simply about manifestation, but transformation. Is your life being changed? Are you operating under the convictions of God? Do you know him? Do you want to know him? It says in Acts chapter 8, The Holy Spirit had not yet fallen on, the same word embrace, where the Father embraced the Son. The Holy Spirit had not yet fallen on any of them, that is, the believers who were, the newborn believers who had just been baptized. But they had only been baptized in the name of Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. And we go on in Acts chapter 10, the same word. It says, while Peter was still saying these things, that is, he was preaching the gospel to these, the new Gentile believers, he just, literally, they're, they're fresh, fresh out the womb, if you will. He's just speaking the word of God to them. An angel had told him to go visit them, and they received him. And it says that while Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. So I believe God is able to operate before baptism, after baptism, all for his glory. Jesus said, the comforter will come. He will teach you all things that you need to know. And he will glorify me. The Holy Spirit's whole purpose is to glorify Jesus Christ. To lift up Jesus Christ. And that's done through an encounter with the living God. So if you're new to this, right? Or you're newer, you feel newer, you feel unsure about some of this. Have I received the Spirit? I don't know. I was baptized maybe, but I, well, did I receive the Spirit? Maybe you weren't even baptized. My question for you is, how can you respond to the Father embracing you? How do you respond to that? Simple. Come home. Come home. That prodigal son was a long way off, long way off. And it says the father ran to him. Can you imagine that? The father would have had to have been looking out his window constantly to see him from that distance. Do you know how often God is looking for you? I'm 10 years saved now and I still feel like, Lord, I'm a long way off. I'm a long way off. And I'm just comforted by the comforter to know that he desires to embrace me. Because now for seasoned believers, my, my question would be this. How have you responded to the Father embracing you? Another way you could say that is, how many times? How many times can a son or a daughter hug their father or mother? Just once? How many times can you embrace the Father? Just once? And what happens when you embrace God? I believe what will be fulfilled in your life over and over and over again 
is this. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 8 says this. Though you have not seen Jesus, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Have you encountered the inexpressible joy of God? It may be at a time of worship. It may be at a time alone. But there is more for you. An inexpressible joy for you. Jesus promises this. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit? How much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? To those who ask him. He's not just talking to new believers. He's talking to seasoned believers that we can receive more. And so I I, want to transition now If you're an elder or a leader in this church, I'm going to ask that you come up front. If you're filled with the Spirit of God as an elder or leader in this church and you're sensing that, I'm asking you to come up to this front right now because if you've never received the Holy Spirit, you're not sure if you've received the Holy Spirit. Or you just want more of Him. You just want more. In just a moment, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to ask you to come up and by faith receive the Spirit of God either for the first time or more. For people who are watching online, position yourselves in a heart to receive. Position your heart in a posture to receive. Find yourself in a sacred space. Stop what you're doing and Rest for a minute. Be still, as the scripture says, and know that I am God. God's desire is to pour out. He wants to fill. He's a filling God. He's an inhabiting God. And he's jealous for you. I'm prefacing this, I'm I'm prefacing this with there ought to be not just an expectation among us before you come up. I don't want you to just expect for God to come. I want you to be unashamed about that. You don't need to think about what your neighbor's doing. You don't need to think about anything but God, I believe, I believe in you. I believe that you said if you come, if you, if you desire, if you're hungry, if you're thirsty, you can be fed, you can be satisfied. This is not simply about receiving, man, <laughs> this isn't about receiving simply the gift of tongues. Some, I believe, In just a moment, as we pray, some people will be filled with the gift of tongues. I believe some people will begin to prophesy. I believe God's spirit is going to pour out. But that might not be how the spirit of God manifests in you. Don't box God in. Don't box God in. He's able to do exceedingly above all that you think or ask. We live by faith, not by sight. We live by faith, not by feelings. Some people I've seen where they have the Spirit of God comes upon them and they are sprawled out on the floor and they're crying like a baby. They're fit, all these different things. And then there are times where I in the same encounter have received by faith, God, I know that your Spirit is here and I know that you're with me and I'm receiving you. I'm receiving you for who you are. So if you're feeling unsure of yourself, That's all the more reason to receive. If you're feeling timid and fearful, the Bible says, I have not given you a spirit of 
fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. If you have that fear, then you need the Spirit. If you're feeling that timidity, you need more of this Spirit. And this is an opportunity. I was praying last night for this service, and I saw that God was just showing me in a vision the work that Pastor Brian, the elders, the worship team have been doing throughout the past several months, if not years, has been filling, 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 stirring, stirring, stirring for an outpouring. I believe that. I believe it. I saw a vision of when I was a kid and I used to go to, you know, Dorney Park or Six Flags and they had that water works area. Some of you remember that? And you, you get on those little cannons and you shoot into that target and it fills up the bucket. Bucket is full. And I just saw water pouring out, pouring out, pouring out. That's God's desire today. If you believe that, I'm asking you right now, right now, to come up. Come up and through the laying on of hands, receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. So if you will, please stand with me. And those who are feeling that encouragement in their spirit to come up, come up with boldness. This isn't about me. This isn't about anybody up here, but you and God and our elders are up here for you as that intercessory part. As the mediators, just like Moses laid on his hands, laid on his hands of Joshua, and Joshua received the Spirit to lead the people. Come up and ask, receive. God, we just thank you. We thank you for this service. We thank you for this time. We thank you for the outpouring of your Spirit. We thank you right now for the outpouring of your Spirit. God, lead your people and pour out on your people. Fill us with your glory. Fill us with your goodness. As the worship team just begins to play, we're just coming to you, Lord. We're just coming to you. We're just coming to you. We're just coming to you. This isn't about a show or a presentation. This isn't about one thing or the other, but God's spirit filling you. God's spirit renewing you to have more. This isn't about your neighbor. This isn't about what they're doing. This is about, are you desiring more? Are you desiring more? If you haven't received the gift of tongues or the gift of prophecy, come up to receive and see what God is willing to do. Thank you, God. Thank you for what you're doing right now in this church. Thank you, Father. Thank you, God. Bless your name. Bless your name. Bless your name. Bless your name. I'm just coming down right here. This is where I saw it. This is where I saw God's spirit coming down. And I'm, God, I just thank you. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Saints of the body of Christ, join me by faith. Join me. We're proclaiming God's spirit. We're proclaiming God's spirit here. Jesus said, if you believe, if you believe this mountain will be moved, you will receive. If this can happen without even the laying on of hands, our elders are up here just to encourage and help you. This doesn't need to happen except but by your hunger for God. Come up here hungry. Come up here hungry for Jesus. Not for anything else but Jesus and the spirit who glorifies Jesus, who will teach you about Jesus. Come up. Come up.
The Spirit of God is urging you. If you're online, the Spirit of God is urging you, just receive. Just open your heart and say, Jesus, come. Holy Spirit, I welcome you. Holy Spirit, I welcome you. Teach me about Messiah. Teach me about the Lord and Savior of my life. Renew me. Lord, I've been filled with anxiety. I've been filled with depression. I've been filled with negativity, and I need to be filled with your Spirit. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So if I'm not having freedom, God, I need to come to you. I need more of your Spirit. Pour out, Holy Spirit. Pour out so that we might be doing the work of God by becoming the children of God in fuller measure, in fuller measure, going from glory to glory, from faith to faith, from strength to strength. We're increasing. We're increasing in God. More, Lord. More, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, more, Lord. Yes, God. Yes, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yes, God. Yes, God. I'm, I'm searching for a further encounter with you uh, so I can go further and deeper and longer with you. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, God.
As a final word of encouragement, Paul comes to Timothy in the letter of Timothy and he says, I remind you, Timothy, to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of hands. Some of you came up and received the laying on of hands. Some of you received the laying on of hands by the, Jesus himself. Your, pot, your heart was in a posture to receive. And I'm telling you, you have received. If you have believed in the Son of God, the Holy Spirit is with you. Fan into flame the gift of God that is in you. 
fan into flame the gift of God that is in you. So let us close out in, in prayer and worship as the worship team takes us out. God, we just thank you for who you are and what you're doing. Thank you for filling us. You are an inhabiting God. You inhabit the praises of your people. You inhabit the praises of your people. God, Spirit of God, groanings deep within, stir so that we would grow into the image of God in the restoration of man in the fullness of Jesus Christ and who he is. God, we receive you. God, we don't want to box you in. In the name of Jesus, we don't want to box you in. Lord, we don't want to say what you have to do and how you have to do it. We look to your scriptures and they've already told us that God is willing to move. Your spirit fell upon the first church and there was drunkenness, a new wine, and yet it was by your spirit. Oh my God. We talk about decent and in order, Lord, and yet it wasn't very orderly the way you did it in the first church, Lord. So I don't think it always has to look that way. God, you want to fill us with the new wine of your Holy Spirit. Help us, position us for the resting place of that dove. Lord, it says the spirit of the Lord remained upon you. Lord, remain upon us. Lord, the spirit was with you without measure. Lord, I want the spirit without measure and I'm going to keep going and going and going until I, I am receiving the fullness of God. The fullness of God. The fullness of God. And so I close at this. I want to pray the prayer of Ephesians chapter 3 that Paul prays over the church. He says, I bow my knees to the Father. I bow my knees to the Father. The Father of all nations. The Father of every tribe, tongue, and language. I bow my knees and I ask that he would grant you. God, I'm asking that you'd make a grant today. Write it out. Thank you for the blank check of your Holy Spirit who seals us for the day of redemption and encourages us unto the day of redemption. He says, I pray that God would grant you to be strengthened with power by his spirit in your innermost being so that, so that Christ dwelling in your heart richly through faith, so that you would know with all the saints, you would have strength to comprehend, to seize, to take hold with all the saints. What is the breadth? What is the length? What is the height? What is the depth of the love of Christ? Lord, we receive your spirit to know the love of Jesus. And as we increase in the love of Jesus, we're filled with the fullness of God. Filled with the fullness of God, Paul says. Lord, I just pray that in Jesus' name. Fill us with your spirit of power so that we know your love and be filled with the fullness of God. Amen.